0: This Christmas needs to be about us with God. That's really the whole point. Even though there's so much anticipation that builds up for a week from this coming Tuesday. That's right. It's just a little bit more than a week away. And I know I can tell by looking at your faces that you're wonderfully calm and content and prepared and all those other kinds of things. And, And I listen, I get all that. I I do know that um, you uh, advanced yourselves in your preparation for Christmas because of what you did back there. I, I, some of you can't see, but that is just that's the best thing. In that corner back there, when I when I turned came around just a few minutes ago and I and I saw all the stuff in the corner around the tree there, I'm just I'm just so thankful for you guys. I really really am because what you did. What you did is you said Christmas is not just happening in my house. Christmas is not just happening on Sunday morning. Christmas is going to happen through us for someone or someones that we don't even know. And that's the, that's the point. That's the point. And so... Uh, I'm proud of you. Thank you so much. Tomorrow, everything. Great job, guys. Really, seriously. Tomorrow, Sarah and John and I are going to pack John's van with all those things around the tree. And we're going to take them up to the Meridian house and we're going to deliver them. And uh, they're, uh, they're just already looking forward to it. Already looking forward to it. Just to show you how adaptable you guys are, uh, we didn't necessarily let you know what happened about two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, one of the residents uh, uh, left and another one came in. We're gonna make sure the gifts get to that person that left and also we already got gifts from the new guy that came in uh, because that's what it's about. It's about adapting. It's about uh, doing the best that we can because sometimes those Items on the list come in and you didn't think about it. You didn't remember it, but you adapt and you make that last minute run to the store. You, you get online and you check and see if Amazon can deliver, you know, in time. You do all of that. And even then, sometimes we still panic. And I guess that's okay because this isn't our first Christmas rodeo, is it? We've been there, we've done that. Uh, and everything that we put on the list doesn't necessarily show up. Because after all the Christmases most of us have been through, we know that there's no such thing as a perfect Christmas. Not at least if we're involved. And we've learned after a while that we can be disappointed. On Christmas, and, and one of the reasons that we're disappointed is because we know that we had things on our list and they weren't there. And also there are things that people have put on their list that we're in charge of. And when we go to facilitate the, uh, the, the execution of getting those items on the list, sometimes those things aren't really realistic. There's too much or too expensive or just out of the Bounds of possibility. We have really good memories. But even sometimes our memories of Christmas. Are just a little bit less than wonderful. Than the postcard. Than the Christmas card. Than Bing Crosby's version of I'm dreaming. That kind of a thing. It's the way that we view Christmas sometimes. Always good, but not necessarily perfect. And part of the reason is because, let's face it, we're stained. We are scraped. We have scars. And we tend to view God the same way that sometimes we view Santa. He's nice and he's kind and he's sweet. But he can't get everywhere. He's only got so much time to get to each home. And after a while, some things just can't be done. And we view God the same way. Not all the time, but sometimes we do. He can't, uh, Santa can't do everything and we tend to have the same thing with God, like I said. And that also goes for our prayers and our Christmas wish for peace. Peace, real peace, seems like something something that Buddy the Elf conjured up. And peace on earth and goodwill to men uh, has to do, uh, in some ways, a whole lot more with Scrooge and those kinds of Christmas tales than it ever has any basis in reality. If you're looking for peace, just walk out the room and take a left and go to the first room on the right where all the toddlers are. We smile, but our laughter is somewhat hesitant, isn't it? (laughs) That's funny, Shan, I'm not going. I just got out of there. We think this way because of our own understandings and the way that we have memories, most of them good, some of them not. We're stained and we're cynical. We say it's realistic. But peace on earth is not always brought about just because the song says that there's supposed to be peace on earth. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. Wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth and goodwill to men. The author of that song Writes another two or three verses, but then suddenly the dream is completely and totally torn apart by the war that was going on during the author's time, and that was the American Civil War. And the burden of the horror that was happening caused him to write this. <clears throat> and in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth and goodwill to men. It's that heartbreaking moment when you realize that what you were dreaming for is no longer possible. And it doesn't necessarily take a national calamity for that to happen to you or to me. Uh, there, There can be peace in the world, but not necessarily peace in your home. There can be peace Uh, In town, but not necessarily peace in your heart or in your mind. It's when you're just about to fall asleep and the baby starts crying again. It's when you have two payments left on the car and then someone rear ends you. It's when you tell God you're sorry for getting angry over and over again and you make yourself a promise and God a promise that you're not going to do it and as soon as you're done praying and saying amen, you get a text from that one person that you just don't want to deal with anymore. No peace. It's when you haven't failed miserably for years, but you bump into the one person that remember what happened years ago and the only thing they're talking about is what happened years ago. It's when you thought you had control and then you fail miserably. It's when things can't get worse and they do. For as much as we want peace, real peace, complete peace, total peace, we believe it's not possible because of our cynicism and our experience and our background and our understandings. It's great on the Christmas card, but it just doesn't seem to want to meet out in real life. Peace is not simply the absence of war, as if war itself only takes place when two armies are battling. Peace is not simply a quiet house where no one is arguing. Peace is not when all the bills are paid or when everyone agrees politically. So if we know this to be true, then what in the world was the angel talking about? What what did he mean when he greeted the shepherds and said, uh, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace has finally come, according to the angel, but to whom? To those on whom his favor rests? Who has the rest of God? How does one get that? How does one get it from God? What in the world did the angel mean? Not to mention the fact that they were completely and totally overwhelmed by what they saw did they truly understand what they heard do we for that matter who does god's favor rest upon is it some secret club where there's a secret handshake is does the favor of god rest upon people that look like they go to church does the favor of god rest upon people that always make the right decisions Of course not. Absolutely not. To help you get an understanding of what the angel was talking about, I want to give you a little bit more background. Because the angel of God came to speak to the people of God, and the people of God, firstly, had been waiting for peace for a long time. They were waiting for peace. It's like to wait, to wait for peace. When you and I read the Bible, I I want you to understand that you and I are are reading a story. We're, 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 we're looking at it through the lens uh, uh, of things that happened in, in real people's lives, real difficulty, real burdens, real challenges, real joys, real hopes, real dreams. All those things. It's a tragedy and a celebration. A nightmare and a dream come true. All rolled into one. Held together by a scarlet thread. That only God could make happen. God loves you and me so much. And this story was written with the intent that you and I would not just simply read it. We would come to understand that it is for us. And how God proved his love for us in a way that only he could do it. He wants you and I to be with him. But our sin created an impasse. An abyss that no one can cross. Except God himself. And he was willing to do it and did it. And he did so and paid an immeasurable price for it. The cost certainly was great, and it came about with an unimaginable rescuer. The story really is good, but it takes time to tell. It's dramatic, but the hero isn't someone that you and I would think. And for generations, God's people were told that one day he would come. Patriarchs and kings, prophets and priests were told this over and over and over again. And everything that they heard, they passed on. So it was about 700 years before Jesus even shows up when one of the men that heard this story told it again. His name was Isaiah. And in chapter 9, he says this. Maybe you've seen it on some cards or heard it before. For to us, a child is born and to us, a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. They had been waiting for so long. You know what happens when you wait. The anticipation just builds up and builds up and builds up. And the idea of what it is that you've been, you and I've been waiting for, it gets bigger and it gets bigger and it gets bigger. The anticipation of waiting for this peace bringer had built the idea into something that was really, far beyond not only our imaginations, but even the understanding of God. That's okay. Yeah. Just go back to the Isaiah chapter nine verse for a second, and then uh, we can go forward. um, Just before Jesus came, Zechariah the father of the guy who would be the one who would actually kind of introduce Jesus to the world and his ministry to the world, Zacharias said this. He said um, in Luke chapter one, because of the tender mercy of our God uh, by which the sun, the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. It was a reminder right before Jesus shows up. Oh, by the way, this is what he's here for. This is the one you've been waiting for all this time. The one your grandparents were waiting for. Their grandparents were waiting for. And so on. So when Jesus shows up in the manner that he did. It kind of takes on this flavor of modern day clickbait. Really, if you think about it. He shows up and peace is here. Peace is here. Really? That one right there? Uh, Click next. Peace in a baby? Click next. Peace in a baby born in Bethlehem? Are you serious? It's, you need to understand, you and I can't have that kind of context because Bethlehem and the history around those cities is so far removed from our understanding and our experience. But if I could say this, it's kind of like saying, hey, guys, last night, all the problems of the world were solved by the birth of a baby in Fall River. That's what it's like saying. And people are going, what? That's... Exactly how that all works. Where's the guy who's going to bring this peace? In order to bring peace, you have to be strong. A baby? In order to bring peace, you have to be stronger. Like I said, we have preconceived understandings of how peace is brought about and how it's maintained. And even before that, what real peace really is. much of it involves writing wrongs and getting justice and most of the time when we say justice we don't mean justice we mean vengeance really writing wrongs and getting paid back for what's been withheld that's what we usually mean by peace and reconciliation so when the angel said in Luke chapter 2, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to them uh, those on whom his favor rests, we're really kind of a bit confused. Because what showed up isn't what we were expecting. Oh, yeah, Shan, I get that. But what do you think we were expecting? Well... I wrote it down this way. We were looking for Luke Skywalker to team up with Captain Kirk to blow up the Death Star and give us uh, some rescue from the Grinch and the Democrats and Republicans and Romaine lettuce and Christmas carols. (laughs) I mean, that's the perspective that we have. It's so short-sighted. It's so temporal. It really doesn't have weight or meaning or power. And God knew that. The peace that he's talking about is about a rescue. A rescue of desperation. That if you and I were told about it, we would think it's just absolutely not possible. And it's actually better to let those who are in despair just pass on. we never thought that we would need to be rescued from our sin. Not us. We never thought we would need to be forgiven for the way we quote the Bible and don't live it. We never thought that we would need to be rescued from the way that we worship God, but don't obey him. Sweet little Jesus boy. We just didn't know it was you. You who had come from God to us so that we could be with God. Jesus in John chapter 16 said this. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Now, did you pick up on what Jesus said? He said, In me. In me. That means it's about our relationship with him and his relationship with God so that we can have a relationship with God. That's the peace. That's what getting Christmas right really means. It means about attaining that peace that we can't attain, but God can. It's about getting that peace that God always wants to give to us. And all we need to do is say, yes. Yes. God in sending Jesus to us did not give us the justice that we demanded and thankfully so because had God given us the justice that we demanded we would have been crushed. Crushed by our own desire for vengeance for payment demands for what's been withheld. What God gave us was peace. Peace that came in in the form of a baby that grew to be a man. Peace that matters. In Jesus, our sin can be forgiven and our relationship with God restored. God did not give us what we asked for and that's such a good thing because our list is never complete. Complete. God gave us exactly and what we desperately needed, peace with him. The prince of peace, a baby born in a manger in Bethlehem, grew to be a man who died on a cross in Jerusalem, the city of peace. Peace with God is the foundation of any and every other aspect of peace that you and I could possibly want or know. It starts with him. It starts with how we know him and how we understand him. And even though I recognize that doing that is a lifelong pursuit and we'll never completely and totally understand all of that, we can understand more and we can grow closer, closer than we were yesterday, than we were last year. We can do that. There are things sometimes that we hold on to, uh, uh, conversations and, and deeds that have anger and frustration alongside them. And we can let those things go because God, in his desire for us to have peace with him, let a lot of our stuff go through what Jesus did on the cross. That's the whole point. Romans chapter 5 expresses that same thought this way. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. This is not a churchy version of bait and switch. What I'm not saying is that you acknowledge who Jesus is in your life and you get the peace of God and then everything's going to be rosy and smell good and be wonderful. That's not what I'm talking about. Jesus himself said that in this world you're going to have trouble. Not every game will be won. Not every gift will be perfect. Not every meal flawless. Not every holiday Memorable with sweetness. It doesn't work like that. We know that we've. This is not our first Christmas rodeo, but that's why we still celebrate. Not in the hopes that everything will be good this time. Not with the desire that everything will finally be perfect this time. But in the rem, in the memory that God gave us what we didn't need or do what we didn't want, but instead gave us exactly what we needed. And that's the opportunity through Jesus to have peace with him. Now, I know that this peace is a challenge and it's something that we will struggle with for the rest of our lives. But let me give you just a couple of different things that I think we can do every single day, not just during this holiday, but every day to make a difference to have that peace First of all, it's about contentment. We live in a world where the opportunity to return what has yet to even be given to us is already being talked about, and emails, and commercials, and everything else. I had I had somebody tell me one time, "Do you know if you don't get what you want for Christmas, don't worry about it. You know where you can go find what you need for what you wanted for Christmas." Uh, really, really cheap at pawn shops on December 26th. On December 26th, people who really want things that are going to destroy them will sell things that were given to them for pennies on the dollar and it's as dark as it can be. There's no light there. There's no peace there. It's a lack of understanding of the joy and the hope that God wants to give each and every one of us so much so. No, peace can come from being content, not just simply with what we have, but more importantly, with what God's done and so not only with the contentment of just saying, God, look, look at all that you've given to me. Look at my, my family and my friends and even the health that I do have. It's also having gratitude for what he's given to us. And not just gratitude for the stuff, but gratitude for what God does all the time. The way that he blesses and protects and provides all those things. because of the contentment and the gratitude that we have. Just a do to others mindset. And you guys have already done, that tree is evidence of that. But don't let that, uh, just because it's Christmas time, see that, well, I, I did enough for the year. No, that's not who we are. That's not how we live. God's given us more than we can literally list, let alone think of. And because of that, we are content and thankful and have a desire to let somebody else know about how good God is. And the peace that he's given to me, most of the time I don't understand it, but I've got it. Because long ago, God knew that there would be stupid things that I would say and even more stupid things that I would do. And every once in a while, someone who's not so kind and not so good whispers them into the back of my mind and I say, yeah, that's okay. You keep whispering because I'm not listening because what God has done for me through Christ covers all of that stuff. The last verse of the song goes like this. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, and the right will prevail. With peace on earth and goodwill to men. In just a minute, we're going to pass some trays. Some trays that contain pieces of bread and cups of juice. We do this every Sunday, and and one of the reasons we do that is to remember the peace that God brings. It was not something that we came up with. It was not something I think we would ever even think about. But God, knowing that we would need to be reminded of the peace that we have with him, the peace that he provided for us, uh, gave us a means to remember the peace that comes through Jesus. And so what we remember is the way that peace was brought about the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross in paying the price for my sin and for yours. We remember every Sunday it's done. So with a small piece of bread that represents the body of Jesus and a small cup of juice that represents the blood of Jesus. And we do this weekly, not because it's some kind of a ritual, not because we have um, uh, some sadistic command, but because Jesus said, when you do this, do this to remember me and it's not something we have to do it's something we get to do remember as these emblems are passed the peace that God purchased through Jesus let's pray Father thank you so much thank you for giving us what we need not what we want forgive us for being entertained by the shiny things. Forgive us for being satisfied by that which will wear out. Thank you so much for that baby. Thank you so much for commissioning him as the Lamb of God, as the light of the world. As the Prince of Peace. Because of him, we have hope in ways that we love to sing about, but more importantly, that we hold on to with the very last strength that our weak bodies can give. Thank you for loving us and remembering us when sometimes we're not very lovable because of things that we'd like to forget. God, we we need you so much and there are people in this world that need you so much. Help us to not only remember this joy and hope that we have, but to share it because this world needs a lot more peace. Bless us now. We pray this in Jesus' name.